0: 6.38 is the time. And uh, speaking of vacations, I don't know if you would regard this as a vacation. Imagine living inside a simulation of life on Mars for one year without being able to leave and without being able to communicate in real time with your loved ones. Four volunteer test subjects are doing precisely that. Dr. Susan Bell, is a lead researcher at the Behavioral Health and Performance Laboratory at NASA Johnson Space Center and joins us. Nice to have you.
1: Nice to meet you, John. Thank you for having
0: me. Give me the broad strokes of this project, because it's like something out of a science fiction movie, but I realize that's your day-to-day life.
1: That's right. We make science fiction into reality, and hopefully in a good way. So what we're doing is called CHAPIA, which is the um, Crew Health and Performance Analog, Exploration Analog. And what that is, is a series of one-year missions where we're going to put a crew of four into isolation and confinement for 378 days under Mars realistic conditions and learn about their human health and performance.
0: How hard is it to create an approximation of Mars? I mean, for example, the gravitational feel on Mars is different. I guess there's nothing you can do about that.
1: Well, there's certain things that we are mimicking and certain things that we are not in this particular analog. So what we do in our research is we have field-based studies designed to mimic different parts of future exploration. And so this one is designed to mimic a couple of things. One is resource restrictions related to food and water. Another is the long-term isolation and confinement that we'd expect in a Mars habitat. And then other things that we're mimicking, which will be really critical is the communication delay that we'll have for the sheer distance to Mars. So it's gonna be a 22 minute communication delay each way. And so that's gonna be completely different from the way the crew interacts with mission control on today with the ISS and International Space Station.
0: Do you have a template for the type of personality that makes somebody predisposed to a mission like this?
1: We do got- are interested in people who can adapt and survive and thrive in these circumstances. So probably things that you would think about in terms of being emotionally stable, being a good team player, being conscientious enough to to follow and get the the work done in an autonomous way. But that component of being able to get along with others is really important when you're not only working together in a team, but living for uh, an extended period of time in a small space.
0: I took a tour of the facility. It's kind of like a, a nice downtown Toronto condo.
1: Some of our analogs are very small uh, because they're not mimicking the the Mars surface. You know, if they're they're mimicking a transit, they they get they get very small. This is a little bit more, you know, luxurious. Still a small space, but there are four private quarters. There's a recreational area. There's a separate workspace. I think we've all learned, particularly the post-COVID era, to, to have that separate living and working space, even in our own homes when we work from our own homes. So we've tried to mimic that as well in the architecture.
0: What happens for somebody taking a part in this exercise, but also eventually down the line when they execute it? What happens with their families?
1: Yeah. Really, a key issue. So, it's not only being separated from your family, but that significant communication delay is probably going to be quite a challenge. So, anytime you want to share something with your family and you send them a message, it's going to take 22 minutes to get there. And then when they respond, it's 22 minutes back. So, there's no real time communication. Right now, in the International Space Station, when astronauts want to talk to their family, they can just call down, or when they work with with mission control, it's its almost real-time interaction, where if you watch a, an extravehicular activity on NASA TV, you will see, like, it, it's almost like there's no difference between mission control and the crew. They they talk real-time. And this crew will have to be autonomous, not only in their social support from their family, but also in the way they perform and their work duties from mission control. So it's, it's a really great test of that, because that is an extreme complication compared to the way we do Things now in the space life,
0: and is it entirely sealed off? Like if they run out of Worcester sauce, they're not going to be able to send out.
1: Well, <laughs> that's a question. So we, we're okay with resupplying Tabasco, but not Worcester I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's there is the possibility of a resupply on Mars, but in a different way, right? Things will take a lot longer to get there. So in the International Space Station right now, we can send things up in a few days if we need to. But for something like Mars, some of the food, resource restrictions will be that most things will probably be pre-positioned. So you might have your food preferences, you might have what you like to eat, but really we're probably going to have to send that food to Mars before we've even selected the crew. And so there will be some food there. Can we resupply? Not at all in the way that we can with the International Space Station. So that's a really tricky resource restriction here because if you get sick of eating what's there, then you might start to lose weight and your performance, cognition, uh, well-being can decrease. And that, that's one of the things we're studying is how resource restrictions like that influence human health and performance.
0: Is there an escape hatch effectively? If it just, you know, if somebody gets sick or if it's not working out for them, are they able to get out?
1: These are volunteer research participants, just like any research study. And so we, we can't, you know, just lock them in there and throw away the key. But we will um, provide uh, some training so that they're able to deal with probably smaller medical issues that they're comfortable with, um, as well as psychological issues. Obviously, if things get very extreme for them, they will be able to leave the mission at any time since they're volunteers. But we have set them up for success and we'll be training them prior to the mission. And we really you know, hope that, um, that they're able to survive this mission so we can learn a lot from the data.
0: So, will everybody watch uh, Matt Damon's The Martian before doing this?
1: Ah, you know what my guess is this <laughs> these the people who have been chosen probably already have uh, that's a popular one and it's it's you know I enjoyed it it was a, it was an interesting movie and um certainly some of the things that happened in that movie like you know it's been capabilities or something we'd actually like to see in, in astronauts that would go to Mars for sure.
0: Thank you very much for this. I'm very much, I'm hoping that we'll be able to stay in touch through this entire experiment because I want to know more.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, John. Thank you for having me today.
0: That is Dr. Susan Bell. She works at the NASA Space Center, and uh, she is a psychologist, which kind of informs her angle on the whole thing. But I find stuff like that fascinating because I, you know, I'm such a homebody, I guess. So... Uh, the idea of leaving for a year and living in this remote place and simulating all the deprivations of being uh, on, on planet Mars, just not in. It's like an escape room without an escape. Exactly. And actually, escape rooms are my version of hell as well.